0: We have a Bible, Matthew uh, chapter 19. If you're brand new uh, with us, really good to have you. My name is James, I'm one of the pastors. Uh, Matthew is in the New Testament, so your Bible has 66 books written over 4,000 years, uh, and Matthew begins the New Testament. So we have Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. They're all eyewitness accounts of Jesus. We're studying the gospel of Matthew together. We studied it back in 2016. We're re-picking it up, uh, and so we're in Matthew 19. Let me begin with a story. So last Monday night, uh, we have community group, and, uh, you know, we have, like, our community group is, it's so chaotic but it's so great because we have so many little kids cause I mean, our family alone could, is like a soccer team. So, um, but we have, we have another family with three and then we just have lots of kids. So they're all in the backyard uh, playing and we are, you know, trying to discuss. And as you, if you remember last week's sermon, it was a little, little weighty. And so, you know, we're like in this deep conversation and Naraya, my oldest, nine years old comes in and uh, she's like, just interrupts and say, excuse me. She's like, Dad, Joseph, who is our sixth curly hair guy. Uh, Joseph won't stop hugging Zion. So Zion, I don't know if you know her. But she also goes to our church. Uh, anyway, so sweet girl, older, Nari's age, a little older than that. Um, and so, sure enough, Joey comes in hugging Zion, and Zion's just like, This is the worst. And and we were like, Joe, you you can't like force hug people. And he, this was his reaction. He let go of her, and she was like, oh, thank. But he was just like, hmm, but I, but she's my crush. And then, and then we were like, well, you can, you know, that's OK that you have a crush, but you just, you, you know, we try to teach our kids like most people do. Like, she, she has, it's her own body. She, she, if she doesn't want to hug you, that doesn't mean she's not your crush. And he's like, and then he like almost cried. And he was like, she told me that she doesn't like me. And I was like, and she's like, no, no, I don't like you like this, you gotta stop hugging me. And we're like, Joe, like, you know, it's totally okay. And here's what he said, quote, but I do love her and she is my crush. And then he just pouted down. Anyways, uh, why am I telling you this story? Cause this is, we love this, we love this about kids you know it's 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 one thing that everyone cuz the whole the whole community group was like this is amazing this is so cute you know kids don't have a filter they're they're innocent their love is so real Right, And we love that about them, though we all know if you're a parent for like a day, they have sin natures, but they don't have at that early age, kind of like those grids that we build up later, of that embarrassment. They just say what's on their hearts. They just, I'm in love with her and I can't stop hugging her. And that was so real to him. And we love that about kids. And uh, as we come into our passage this morning, uh, this is what we, we find when children come to Jesus. That... Jesus loves them. Jesus loves their just unhindered, innocent, authentic faith, he he loves them. Uh, In fact, he'll say to his disciples who are around, who are trying to stop the kids, he's gonna say, don't stop them. I love when they come to me. Uh, If anything, they're closer into the kingdom than any of you. And and he's like, this is the faith that I love. This is an unhindered faith for me. The kingdom of God is for uh, children. And then right, literally right after this moment, he's gonna contrast an unhindered uh, faith like a child with a completely hindered religious rich young ruler and he's gonna point out in the rich young ruler what's hindering his walk with him. And so you have these two contrasts, and so that's where we're going today. Um, but before we do, as always, um, I want us to pray. So, so this is gonna be pretty normal from now on. I really have felt uh, this is how we should begin every sermon. Namely, I want you to ask the Holy Spirit before we begin, uh, would you ignite me? Uh, to have a childlike faith again. That, that I would just have this unhindered, forced love hug. That I would, I would just, I would want to run to you like, like a children do. Would you restore my faith? I don't think, I don't know when the last time it was, right? I just felt like I wanted to crawl in your lap. And and we, you know, so just pray for that. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to do that. And then this is gonna be a big prayer. Just so you know, I didn't think I was a Christian on Wednesday when I was studying this, so. This is a heavy passage. Last week was heavy for different reasons. This week will will bring some weight into your life, but I want you to pray. I want you to ask Jesus. Jesus, will you show me today what has become more essential to my happiness and well-being than you? Like, will you show me what's hindering my devotion to you? Um, show me where I've kind of treated you like you're just like an add-on, maybe more where you're like a genie in a bottle and that you've never, you can't demand anything of me. If anything, I have demands for you. Like, show me that. Will you just, will you reveal that so that I can repent and be happy in the thing I want most? And that's you, the, the kingdom of God that's going to last for eternity. Like, am I on that kingdom, and would I sell everything if you asked me? So I want you to pray that. I want you to ask the Holy Spirit to reveal that for you, okay? And then I'll pray, and then we'll go. So you start. Uh, Father, uh, we, we confess that our Bibles tell us that our lives are about the kingdom of God and the mission of following you, and yet we just know the priority of our actual life isn't that, that there's good things that keep us from God all the time and money blinds us spiritually and i just i pray like you have shown me this week just how wretched of the areas in my heart that i've made good things more important than you more valuable than you at an exchange like i we really do know that like following you as hard as it will be as as difficult it is to say no to the things that this world says is the kingdom, that it's far better. We know at the end of that road is joy, and you, and we know at the end of that road, following Jesus is a life eternal with you. And yet, this this world is just like you said in the in the parable of the sowers, it's just trying to choke us. And and you love us today. And I thank you that you're present, Holy Spirit. I really do thank you that you love us. Your word says in this passage, you love the rich young ruler. And I just, I pray that we would not walk away sad like he did, that we would we would find by your spirit a power from you to, to want to follow you more than anything else in this world. So that has to be a work of your spirit. And we ask that you'd reveal for us what that is. And I pray, Holy Spirit, you'd help me not trust in this, but in the the gifts of the Holy Spirit. So Holy Spirit, I just pray you'd manifest these, the gifts you've given me so that this body is strengthened and built up in Jesus name, amen. Amen. All right, let's read our passage so that we can kind of get a uh, you know a sense of where we're going. Verse 13, then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. And the disciples rebuked the people, but Jesus said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for such belongs the kingdom of god and he said and, no, and he laid his hands on them and went away and behold a man came up to him saying teacher what good deed must i do to have eternal life and he said to him why do you ask me what is good there is only one who is good if you would enter life keep the commandments he said to him which ones and jesus said Well, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness. Honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I have kept. What do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful for he had great possessions. And Jesus said to his disciples, "'Truly I say to you, only with difficulty will a rich person enter the kingdom of heaven.' Again, I tell you, it is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. When the disciples heard this, they were greatly astonished saying, "'Well, then who can be saved?' But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. We'll just stop there. All right, so uh, two points this morning. We're gonna look at a life unhindered. We're gonna look at Jesus and children. And then, uh, you know, what hinders us? Like what's keeping, what would keep you out of the kingdom? Um, What's hindering you? So first, a life unhindered. Look at verse uh, 13. Then children were brought to him that he might lay his hands on them and pray. Okay, Luke's account records that they bring even infants, infants are coming to Jesus, uh, that he might pray for them, that he would be warm with them, that he would work miracles, that he would bless them, he'd be tender. Mark records that Jesus picks them up, right? He holds them. Okay, I love this. I just, I love this from a kid's perspective, okay? So I'm a parent, so uh, I'm gonna give you a lot of parent stuff, but um, I know when someone comes over, who's the most excited in my house? Right, the kids are. The kids are like jumping on the couch. They just have so much energy, right? They're always like looking out the window, like, when are they coming? You know, they're like, they always ask me the question, like, how many more minutes? I'm like, I don't know, they're already late, so I'm just gonna keep doing the dishes. Um, and, and, and then all of a sudden you can hear them, sh- like, you know, you hear the kids scream, they're here! Woo! Right? They're, they, they're freaking out. I love that. Like, the other day, someone came to the door to raise uh, money for uh, Cancer Society. And Joseph and Talia are too little, so they just couldn't believe someone came over. And they're, and they're just like doing dances in front of them. Hmm, see this one? They're just, you know, flossing. I can't do it. Um, but they, they love it, right? Kids could, like, you gotta imagine this. Kids would have seen Jesus. They they would have been excited about him. They would have heard the stories. They would have, they would have had like so much joy. They'd be like, Dad, can we can we go see him, Mom? Do you think he'll give me a hug? And uh, you know, like maybe he'll heal our sister's uh fever. Let's like they would just be excited around Jesus. In fact, like Jesus found a boy's lunch, like God's been using kids. He loves kids, right? And so um let me say this. Have you ever been a like, you know, if you're a parent here, you'll know exactly what I mean, but have you ever been in a situation where, you know, your kids maybe were going over to someone's house, maybe a family member or they were coming to yours and uh, you were, um, you know, they were so excited. Like you could just tell, like maybe they wrote a little card or something. But as soon as that person came over, they came in, uh, they completely just ignored your kid. Have you ever had that where they were just kind of like, they pushed him aside and be like, yeah, okay, okay, off me. Like did, you know, mama bears in here, you guys are like, "Mm mm-mm. No, that whole night, you don't care who it is. It could be your mom. You're like, no, no one teaches my, no one treats my kids like that, right? You get them ice cold water. Hey, this will match your soul, woman, right? (laughs) You just, that's you. Yeah. So here's my question. You know, how many of you wanna be more like Jesus? Okay, if you're a Christian, most of us are like, I wanna be more like Jesus. If we love Jesus, then we'll love children too. Moreover, children will love us because they will see in us the same love that attracted children to Jesus. So let me just ask you, like practically, how are you around kids? Like, how are you around kids? Jesus says, let little children come to me. It's a verb that says, don't stop. Let is the verb. It says, I wanna be with him. And then he says, don't hinder them. Why? For such belongs the kingdom of heaven. So Jesus' heart is that children never be put aside. Okay, and I love this. This is our heart, just so you know, especially if you're new and you have kids, this is our heart as a church. I actually don't even hear the kids screaming. I love them. Like, I think it's great when they're all up here and running down the halls and, and, uh, you know, we just love kids here. And it's interesting, I don't know if you've thought about this, but maybe one reason Jesus can relate to kids uh, you know, like be really good with them and be interested in them is because he was one, right? Like when was the last time you thought Jesus was six? He was six years old. He was like, not it, right? You preteens, right? Jesus had to do his homework. Ben, he probably looked like you. You know what I'm saying? Jesus was a teenager, he loves kids. And the disciples are like, no, no, Jesus is too important. You guys get out of here. You're like, you know, like a bunch of raccoons, mm, don't eat that. Uh, Jesus is like, no, I want them, come closer. Why? Because listen, they have so much you can learn from and, and you, you don't want up in my arms and they do. They just wanna run to me because they want me. They want hugs, you want wishes. They want time with me. You're so busy. Um, yeah, kids loved him. Children are unhindered in that there's nothing keeping them from wanting him for him. Now, before we apply to this to the kind of childlike faith, um, you know, Jesus says we need to have to enter the kingdom. Just this unhindered childlike faith. Um, I wanna ask you, because this is your church, most of you, uh, would, would you, can we do better at loving the kids on a Sunday. Like, can we do better loving the kids like when they come into the lobby, you know, when they're just screaming and yelling and playing those games out there with like the guns. I don't know why we have all the gun games, Um, but can can we be a church where kids are excited to come see Christians? Like, wouldn't it be great if our kids were like, man, this church treats me like gold. Someone bought me a muffin today. They gave me a high five and a hug. Like, let's just be a church like Jesus who loves the kids, okay? So let me just ask you, are you like Jesus in this way, right? Do you love kids? D- do you think about their hearts? Do you remember being one, right? How many of you remember the experience you grew up like in a Baptist church or whatever and like, you know, the, you know, the kid put his, his feet up on the pew and the deacon came over and he's like, mm. <laughs> no, kids like like, it's, uh, it's, you know, don't, let's not be that. And, and moreover, like notice that they bring kids to Jesus. This is the heart of our ministry. We wanna bring kids to Jesus. This is why we spend so much effort and time and love and pouring in and so many volunteers don't come in on a gathering because they're out in our theaters with our kids because they're bringing kids to Jesus. So you bring kids to Jesus by reading the Bible stories. We bring them to Jesus by calling them to faith. Uh, maybe we just, we bring them by modeling for them what it looks like to abide in Jesus. So we could go on and on and on. I had like four points on how to do this better, but we're gonna work, because just because the nature of the rich young ruler, what we're gonna do is I talked to Sabrina and we're gonna post some great resources, okay? Great resources on family discipleship, motherhood, uh, parenting, all that kind of stuff under the sermon notes in this. But let me just say, if I wasn't the preaching pastor, uh, I would be in the kids ministry. When I went to Moody Bible Institute, they they made every student be in a practicum of some sort. I couldn't wait to teach Sunday school. I took the whole movie of Dora. No, not Dora. What's the first one? Nemo. And you know, I I like would show a clip and then teach a discipleship moment out of Nemo because I just wanted these kids to get the gospel. And I just think like, is that in us? Is that in us as a church? And so men, men, let me get your attention. I'm going to call you to this. If you're if you're not involved yet in anything, uh, begin to sacrifice here, okay? Don't look at your watches right now, your eye watch, which I wish I had one, but don't. How many, okay, how many of you guys are single? Show me your hands. Single, single single people, hands, okay. Guess what? Guess what? Great, thank you, good. Now you guys know where to hang out. Just <laughs> kidding. You're like, this is getting off track. It's not. Guess who else was single? Jesus. And he loved children. He loved kids. Okay. So you single guys, especially the guys, you want to be manly. No one was more manly than Jesus. So no excuses. Now, let me say this. Okay. Now this is going to apply to four of you, but uh, wait, before I do that, I did call Sabrina. So I called her up. You know, what do you think? How are we doing? Like, how is the kids ministry? Like, I kind of know, but I was like, I'm teaching on this. Let's, Let me just make us aware. She's like, it's not good. I'm like, what do you mean it's not good? She's like, we have so many youth, so you youth are killing it, um, but we're actually legally in trouble because we don't have enough adults. Oh, cool, that's actually not good. Um, And she's like, we have great adults, but we just don't have enough adults. Um, In fact, we've been turning families away. She said, it's really stressful because we're going into the summer and we need help. So, yeah. Yeah. This is where the spirit lands and you go, okay, he's calling me to help. We need your help, okay? let me. If you went through the spiritual gift series with us and like you discovered that God has given you supernatural gifts and abilities to build up and strengthen others and you're not serving anywhere, you should be embarrassed. You should feel really embarrassed. You should be like, that's not okay. Because imagine if you went over to your family's house and like your brother was sitting on the couch on his phone and everyone's helping him pitching in. You'd be like, that's not okay. And the church is like a family and we all have spiritual gifts and we're called to serve and build up one another. This is not a show, right? Right. Cool. Good. Some, just something to pray about. You know, you guys are like, I don't even know what you're like. Okay, here's the big idea. Jesus says, if you want to come to me, he says, you have to be spiritually like a child. That's what he's saying. He's, he's, he's not saying be childish, but he's like, kids, your kids come and they're completely dependent. How they approach me, they're, they're just unhindered. There's nothing keeping them from the authentic love for me. They're not coming to get from me yeah, they just want to be around me. And can I just ask us, is your relationship with God like that? You know, like, are you crazy just about Jesus? You know, like, like, like when, when you come to him, are you just like, oh, I just, I'm so excited to see what I get from him. Most of us are not because it's pretty early, but like, we're just like, okay, I have to do this. No, like, what if we just had this childlike approach? Jesus says, like, that's what you're gonna hear from me. That's where you're gonna get more of me. That's where you're gonna see me. When you come to me with this, I'm gonna, and, and let me say this to some of you, because you, um, this is a different sermon, but you have been really hurt by either your own father or another adult that maybe you came to with a lot of joy and love, and they just kept, Pushing you down, telling you why you weren't good enough. And so it's really hard for you to picture Jesus with children because your experience has been bad, especially as a child. Let, let me just, you have to picture Jesus in this passage. Like he is not annoyed with you. He's he's not worried with you. If you broke something in your life, he's gonna help you clean it up. Like he's a good, loving God. He loves you. Listen, in Luke 12, it'll be on the screen. It says, fear not, little flock, for it is your father's good pleasure. Like like if you just come to him, it's like his good pleasure to give you the kingdom. He wants us to come to him like kids. He wants to give you himself. He doesn't want to withhold. He doesn't want to say, well, clean up your room first and then I'll give you a hug. Some of you grew up in that. That's not. He's like, yes, your room's just like your life and I love you. And maybe that's what you needed to hear today because he's not sick of you. He's not exasperated with you. He took care of your sins so that he could be with you and he loves you and he wants to tell you he loves you. All of Paul's prayer, by the way, if you read them in the New Testament letters are that we would comprehend the heights and the depths of the love of God that's in Christ. That we'd be like these kids who come unhindered. Okay, so that's that's a life unhindered. So let's look at now just the change of, of, of scenery and ask what's keeping us out? What's hindering us? Um, verse 16, and behold, a man came up to him saying, teacher, rabbi, what good deed must I do to have eternal life? And he said to him, why do you ask me what is good? There's only one who is good. If you would enter life, keep the commandments. He said to him, well, which ones? And Jesus said, well, you should not murder. You should not commit adultery. You should not steal. You should not bear false witness, right? Be a good son, honor your father and mother. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The young man said to him, all these I've kept. Like, so what do I still lack? Jesus said to him, if you would be perfect, go sell what you possess and give to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven and come and follow me. When the young man heard this, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. So, so the question is, what's hindering us from the kingdom? Okay, well, let's just let's just look at this guy. So, let's notice in context, um, he's successful, right? I mean, he's he's made his million probably in the first year. He's making four million in the second. Like he's that guy. He's got a lot of wealth. He's got great possessions. He's he's young. Luke tells us. Tells Luke also says he's a ruler. Right, like in the world's eyes, man, he's, he's got it. Like he's driving that car and you're like, how young is that guy? Right? But you can't see because the car goes so fast because it's like one of those cars. Um, and, and he's, as a ruler, he would have been, you know, famous. People would have been like, ah, oh, that guy, there he is. Uh, he, he would have had a lot of social life. Like he wouldn't be that lonely. He's probably, you know, he's accomplished. He, his social status is through the roof. Furthermore, he's like morally good. There's some people like that who run over others to get ahead, not him. This guy's a devout Jew. He's religious. He goes to church. He's, he's, he's pure. He's not sleeping around. He's a good son. He's, he's actually ethical with his business. He hasn't murdered or run down anyone. I mean, when Jesus asks him, which ones are you obeying? He's like, I got this. Right? I mean, he, he's, he's just like the catch. And yet, you can see he comes to Jesus. There's something he's wise enough to know. Okay, so I've made it all. And I feel like maybe there's one more thing I'm missing. Or his motive is, I got all this stuff, but man, do I know where I'm going to go when I die? So so we've really hit most of the North Shore, but most of the North Shore is not asking, where am I going to go when I die? But most of the North Shore, just like this guy, would say, you know what? What good deed must I do? So most of the North Shore would say, well, if there is a God... And I've made it all, so I feel like that, but there's still something I'm lacking. At least I'm good, because if he's good, somehow it'll, it'll weigh it out. I mean, this guy's us. You couldn't get more relevant today than where you and I breathe, okay? So, so this is, if you, I won't make you do it because you, you hate it, but I, if you, I would make you turn to your neighbor and say, this is you, but I'm not going, don't do it. But this, I'll say it to you, this is you, this is me. And, and let, me, let me just say, though, like how many of you can relate? Like how many of you, you you've, you've hit that milestone in your life where you're like, this will make me happy. Ah, if you can just, and it, you get it and you're like, mm, <laughs> it was fine. You know, if only I, if only I was a little bit more accomplished, if I could be just a little bit more secure financially, if we could just get the house, if we got the house, if we could just get the home over on the island, if we just, okay, if we could just, if we could just, if we could, you know, it's just this more and more, if I could just be more obedient, maybe we'll join a Bible study and then, it'll, and then I'll be full. And he comes to Jesus, but again, what basis is he coming on? He says, rabbi, and he would know, by the way, because he grew up Jewish, and he'd know the law, the rabbinical literature of the day was, was obey the commands. But, he, so, but he did, he's like, maybe Jesus has got something else for me. Short church, anyone who is doing what must I do or accomplishing to get eternal life is always gonna find that in spite of everything they try, there's gonna be an emptiness, there's gonna be an insecurity, there's going to be this like hole, there's something missing, why? Well, we don't know how good is good, right? We don't know what's good enough. Let me ask you right away, maybe you're new to this passage, or maybe you haven't read in a long time, do you see what's hindering him so far? Do you see what's keeping him from God? Do you, see, do you see what's keeping him out? It's not how he relates to his bad things. It's, it's closer to how he's relating to his good things. But just, just follow with me. So let's look at what Jesus does. He does, he's brilliant. Jesus is well, He's God, so he's perfect. But verse 17, notice what he does here. It's like a, it's like a little you know, uh, stone in your shoe. He says, why do you ask me about what is good? And then he says this there is only one who is good. What's he doing? Well, not only is no one getting in by being good, because there's only one who's good, he even says it only one who is good. Moreover, just follow the line of thought. He's, he goes on and says, if you want to follow me, if you want to have eternal life, if you want to come after me, of course you shouldn't commit adultery. You shouldn't murder. You shouldn't defraud people. Uh, you know, I don't want my followers doing that. Jesus is, is not saying that that's not important, but those are fruits. He doesn't get to the first commandment because he's about to do something here in a second. But let me just say this, not sinning is not the goal. Outward behavior modification is not how we come by faith in his grace, which is how we come into the kingdom. So when the ruler responds, I've done that, I've kept the law, Jesus doesn't really address it. He gets right into the real issue, namely what? Pride, yes, right? If anyone says I've kept the law, but pride rooted in his attitude surrounding the good things, particularly what he loved most. And what was that? His possessions, his money. So Jesus goes right to it. He says, if you would be perfect, because he's just laid the foundation, only God is good. So if you wanna enter the kingdom of heaven, you wanna know you have eternal life, you have to be perfect. That's actually true. And here's here's where he loves him. Go, that's an action, sell that's an action, what you possess and give, that's another action, to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come, action. Come, follow me. So what's Jesus doing in this sentence? He's revealing to him until you see what's hindering you, you won't come in. You can't come in, you won't be able to see how you come into the kingdom. He, he's basically saying, I want you to imagine your life without money. He says, I want you to imagine all of it gone, all of it all the way, no more beaches, you know, no more you know, Mediterranean feasts and, and you know, these, whatever you were doing with all your stuff, no, it's all gone. All you have is me. What's he doing in doing that? He's, he's going after this man's truest hope his true savior, the thing this man was getting his sense of himself from, his, his real true God. See, this guy, being a religious man, was obeying as a way of getting from God, not getting God. He was, he was doing the law as a way to get from him, put God in his debt, rather than seeing his life about getting God, about following him. And Jesus says, that's what's hindering, what is, money. What your money gives you, the kind of identity, the sense, the self has incredible power to blind you spiritually. That's what he's saying. Earlier in his message, he says, you cannot serve two masters, comparing him to money. And here's how we know this is true. Look at verse 22. It says, disheartened by the saying, he, the rich young ruler, went away sorrowful. That, that word means literally like unhappy, sad. Disheartened is a word that means depressed. He can't do it. This is so many with wealth today. In the words of one, Jesus Christ is saying, it's one thing to have God as a boss. It's one thing to have God as an example. It's one thing to have God as a sugar daddy. It's one thing to have God as a helper. But if you want God to be your savior, you have to replace what you're already looking to. You have to replace what you're already looking to. And everybody has something. And for you, rich young ruler, it's this. Let me ask you just how many of you, when it comes to money in particular, I mean, nothing will reveal your heart's true love more than your bank statement. But how many of you, when it comes to money, it's envy. Like you, you look around and you literally almost get winded. Because you look around and you see, well, look what they get to get, look what they have, look at what they get to do, where they get to go, and and you know they don't work as hard as you, right? I mean, that's what we think. We're like, I work harder than that person, and they just have it all, and and it just bothers you. Like, you just, you, like, it literally, you wouldn't maybe share it too much, but it frustrates you. What does that tell you? Well, money is not just money. Money is too important. How many of you, you're, you're me, okay, so you're me. You know you're, there's nothing in your bank, but you keep checking it. Because you're like, oh yeah, it's still there. This, I still got 50 bucks, it's <laughs> fine. But you're like, well, I just checked it yesterday and I, o- I only bought a latte. Why are you buying lattes, you only have 50 bucks? Different sermon. Um, <laughs> but that's, that's me. I'm like, dude, you know what's in here. What is that feeling? What are you trying to receive? Money, money is just not money to you. It's security, it has, has more control in your life. Why are you anxious? If you need to shop at certain places or buy certain brands to give you a sense of an identity or drive a certain car of being rich, if you, if, you can't, if you can't give sacrificially, like I mean, sacrificially for others or, or, or or you don't even give you don't even tie you don't even give to the lord and you just go well, I'll give to the lord here but but he's called you to give into your own family and your own and you just go mm, what should we do? like maybe i could do 3% or maybe yeah, money's money's just not money Jesus tells this man to give to the poor if you walk by a person every time and you're like mm, i don't know what they're going to do with it Jesus doesn't do that with his grace for you It it, it has a lot of power. It's gripping you. Christians, by the way, ought to be totally different than the world on this. Christ does not look great because we look the same as our neighbors. He doesn't. Why? It's obvious. They're getting what you're getting. They just have a different ticket. Money's to look totally different in the eyes of God and the Christian. Jesus says, this is why it's so hard for rich people to enter the kingdom. There's so many explanations on like, well, you know, maybe there was an eye of a needle in the wall of Jerusalem and that's not historical. However, Jesus' point is whether it's a needle and a camel or that hole in the wall, it's really hard to get a camel through any of that. Camels aren't going in. I think Jesus is kind of funny but he's really weighty here. Cause the disciples are like, what? This guy's successful. Like, doesn't this in the eyes of the world seem like God has favor on this man? And he's like, no, they're not coming into the kingdom. That blows the disciples' minds. This is why he says, I tell you, it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. Look at verse 26, it'll be on the screen. But Jesus looked at them and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. And it is, you know, in Luke's gospel, right away you see Zacchaeus, who was a rich man. But for the sake of this sermon, maybe for you, it's not money. Maybe you're desperately trying to turn physical beauty into your spiritual beauty, how you deal with the informities in your heart. Maybe for you, it's just, it's how you look, right? I was talking to one gal who was baptized a year ago, who's in our church. She's right here, but better not say her name because everyone knows she is anyways. But uh, she works, used to work. I don't know if you still work there. Where are you, Lauren? At a cosmetic place. And she was just saying how crazy it is, how much money they drop. And yet they're not happier. So maybe that's for you. Maybe for some of you, it's pleasure, right? That's mine. Romance, family, getting married, getting ahead, finishing a project, good drink, sex. You wanna feel accepted. You want, to, you want your, your people at work to see how great you are your wife. Or, why? Because we're scared of this inner sense of exclusion, of alienation, of feeling unworthy. And the key is that you need to see what this man says to him in Mark. Look at Mark 10. It says this, will be on the screen. And Jesus looking at him, what does it say? Loved him. Perhaps Jesus knows what it's like to be a rich young ruler because he does. He owns the universe. He owns everything. He's holding the world up by his power. And he sold everything to get him. He came down and got rid of everything. He became flesh to give his life up. And he's calling this man to walk in the same steps but he loves him. And so Jesus loves us this morning and he wants to speak into these areas. And and you got to hear, he's not here because because remember the, the young ruler's question. The question is, what must I do? Jesus is not saying, well, then do this necessarily. He's getting at, this is not like here, let me throw a different law at you. He's pointing out through the first commandment, love the Lord your God with all your heart. He's pointing out where Jesus truly lies in his heart. Because this is what's killing you. You won't get me if you love money more. He loves him. He's going like this is what your Savior is. This is what you're trusting in to get rid of that. Not me. So he goes to the extreme. Let me ask you this, what do you have a tight grip on? Like what has too much power? What's holding you back from serving God with like just a completeness? Okay, this is an aside, but this is why the greatest cancer of the health and wealth gospel Because those who claim come to Jesus and you'll receive the wealth and health you've always wanted, heaven on earth, that's the exact thing that keeps this man out. Jesus wants us blessed are the poor in spirit. Why? Because they will see the kingdom. it's It's absolute garbage. Okay, that was a side note. Had to say it. Let me show you the most tragic verse, the saddest verse that you may ever read. Verse 22. When the young man heard this, he went away. He doesn't come in. So here's the question. How can we avoid... Going away, grieved forever. This this is a massive warning for us today. Like, sure, you you can be established, you can have what all your golf buddies and all your you know cycle ladies and wherever you guys all hang out, which is obviously where I hang out. Um, but because I've used that illustration twice, but but you can hear what our our friends and our Our people say to us, like, you're accomplished. You know, you can be a morally good person. You can be sexually pure. You know, you can be such a good daughter or such a good son and walk away sad. Are are you willing to depart from anything? Let me say, like, if Jesus was standing right here, like, if he just all of a sudden just ripped through the theater, we would all be like, oh my goodness, James might get hit with a piece of some," And then if I was fine, Jesus would still be right here and we'd be like, oh, he's right there. And let's say he looked at you in the eyes and he brought you up and they're like, oh, he's gonna talk to them. And he looked you in the eyes and he said, look, I'm gonna speak into your life on something because I love you. Do you know I love you? Yes. And if he said, I want you to get rid of it, and he told you what that was for you, would you obey him? Like, would you just do it? And he's like, come and follow me. Like make every day the priority of your heart doing what I'm doing. Would you obey him? Some of us wouldn't. And you might be like, oh, I I might, because that would be crazy, miraculous. Guess who else got to see Jesus heal and do miracles. This guy, this is probably not the first time he's seen Jesus. He comes to Jesus because he's seen this man. He's seen people come from the dead. He's seen a whole crowd be fed out of nothing. He's seen it all. So if Jesus came down and did a miracle in front of you and said, I want you to sell everything you have, your heart might be so hard, you'll say no to him. Like, this is so serious. Like, are you willing to depart from it all and give it to God and let him decide how much money you have? Like, are you willing to just say that? Like, if you're single, is marriage something you're willing to depart from and give it to God and just say, you know what, I'll let let you decide when I'm married. You know, would you give up, like, your phone? I know it sounds trivial, but if he was, like... I don't want you to have a phone. It takes you completely away from the kingdom of God and loving people. You'd be like, I have, I have so many things I check every day. And my, you know, what about my family on Facebook? You know, we would all say that's what he would, that's what he would do. He'd be like, well, you know, I got this. Okay, so here's a question, James now i feel like you felt on wednesday so here's here's the question cuz i'm like i don't think i'm a christian like i'm i'm like i don't know if i follow him like that you know i was thinking about this like you know i was all depressed this whole week um in a good way um but i was just like i don't know like if i yeah like i i can write sermons and i but if i what would it be like if the church gave up the you know i was, I was just wrestling with the lord in a good And so the thought came to mind is how do we differentiate right now in this room between the kind of condemning, you're not good enough thoughts that could be just your own thoughts or it could be from a demonic source, just saying, see, see, see why you're not great versus the spirit's great conviction to take cancer out. How do we distinguish? What is God pushing in and pressing in on? The key isn't to add one more thing, but it's who you're following. Where does all your greatest treasure lie? Who do you exist to glorify most? If it's not Christ, if Christ doesn't just come out, then that's a good thing of the spirit. Because this man's call isn't just to like your life's leave it all. Maybe he wouldn't, because you know, Zacchaeus gives 40% or I forget what exactly what it was, but away, but this, he didn't have his heart. Does God have your heart? Are you following Christ with your life? Like, is he a priority You know, is he the motive? Is it like, I just want like the kids. I mean, think of the kids just running to Jesus. Is that like, I just want to, I want to start like knowing him more. I want to start, I got to, this is the last month. I don't know how to share the gospel. I got to say it every time, open a door. Like, you know, is it just like, I want to follow him. When was the last time I went door to door and just look, I know you've been my neighbor for like 10 years and I just haven't told you this, but I've been waking up and I just can't, I got to, can I share with you the gospel of what I believe? Like, do we do that? We don't. But, but you got to read these verses. Like this is, you know, we don't follow Jesus two hours on a weekend. You know, if it's not too sunny, I'll come. You guys are here though, so different choir. 420, I don't even know why I'm saying that. Oh yeah, chapter four, verse 20. Look at these verses, Throw in a verse. Isn't that we get high? Yes, um, on Jesus. Immediately, they left their nets and followed him. I don't even know how we're doing for time. I'm sorry. Immediately, uh, 4.22, immediately they left the boat. This is their livelihood and their father and followed him, Matthew 9.9. As Jesus passed on from there, he saw a man called Matthew sitting at the tax booth and he said to him, follow me. And he rose and followed him. I want you to imagine as we close, Ben, you guys can come on up. Um, I want you to imagine what it would be like if he called you today to immediately leave it. Like I want you to imagine that. Imagine these verses. Like, is is he priority? Is he, is coming to him to hear his word, something you just get up and you get excited about? Are you, are you just, are you ready to change how you spend your money? Are you ready to have that hard conversation and go, I think I'm building up treasure here. Like, t- treasure in heaven would be to actually Give it all away because you're gonna get that, whatever the rich young ruler wanted in this earth, he will get in the new heavens and new earth. We believe by the way, in the health wealth gospel, it's just on that side of heaven. God promises you'll have land. He promises you'll have health. He promises you'll be wealthy. But we die until that comes. Our call on this side is to take up our cross give it all away and show that Christ is far better than what car we drive. Look, look at this verse, Matthew 13, 22, and then we'll pray. As for what was sown, sown among thorns, this is the one who hears the word, but the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word. And it proves unfaithful. If this sermon is striking a strong chord in your heart, memorize that verse. I dare you, I dare you to ask Jesus, speak into my life. If you're calling me to give up something, I will. And tell him when you wake up, I wanna follow your agenda, your mission, and I surrender it all because you're better. Help me to come to you like my kid just came to me today.